Echa Perek He. Thematically, Perek He can be summarized very succinctly as a prayer. The Perek is written from the point of view of survivors who are still living in Yehuda after the destruction of Yerushalayim and of Yehuda. The Perek begins with the Mekonen beseeching Hashem to see what has become of the survivors in Yehuda, how terrible their situation is, how their civil institutions have been annihilated, their physical existence is constantly in peril, they are basically living the lives of uh, almost prisoners of war. The Pedic describes all of this in Psukim Bet through around uh, Pasuk Yud Dalid. From Pasuk Tetvav onward, the Mekonen discusses uh, his emotional feeling, that the result of all the negative factors that he listed earlier in the Perek is that he is uh, he he and the people, the survivors in Yehuda, are totally despondent. The Perek then ends with a uh, prayer to Hashem again to pay attention to the people of Yehuda, and the Perek, uh, the last few Pesukim, basically admit that even though they are asking Hashem to pay attention to them, there is absolutely no response from Hashem, and the Pedic ends on a, on, a, uh, on a negative note of Hashem fully rejecting the people. From a structural perspective, uh, this is the only Pedic in Echa that is not an acrostic, it does not go by the Aleph Bet, it still has 22 Pesukim, like Pedic Aleph Bet and Dalet. As we said earlier, Perek Gimel is divided into 22 triplets rather than 22 Pesukim. One suggestion I've seen for why the Perek is not in an acrostic form is that an acrostic to some extent symbolizes order, and what the Mekonen would like to get across is that in fact after the destruction there is no order, there is no normal way of doing things. The old way of doing things, the old normalcy is no longer uh, is no longer in existence. Pasuk Aleph. Zechor Adonai mehai alanu habita ure et herpatenu. The word Zechor over here does not necessarily mean remember. It's a cry to Hashem to please pay attention. Uh, uh, please, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, consider us, pay attention to us. Mehai alanu, consider what has become of us. Look and see our degradation. Pasuk Bet. Our Nahala, our ancestral land, has passed on to outsiders. Batenu, our households, to foreigners. The reference in the Pasuk to Nahala has a double meaning. The first is Nahala, as in the familial ownership of land. As we know, each family in Bnei Israel had a claim on a particular piece of land that belonged to it and only it throughout the generations. And that has now been lost. And of course, that's much more than just a financial loss. It's a religious and cultural loss as well. And it signifies the breakdown of society and the breakdown of the laws given to that society uh, from Sinai. Nahala can have a second meaning of the land that God gave to Bnei Israel. That land, of course, also has been turned over to outsiders. Pasuk Gimel, Yetomim Hayinu Ve'enav Imotenu Ke'almanot. We have become orphans without fathers, our mothers are widows. 
So just as in Pasuk Bet, the physical manifestation of the family unit, the land of the family has been turned over to foreigners, here too, the personal uh, representation of the family unit, the father is no longer there, he has either been killed or captured, and all that is left are widows and orphans, the members of society who have no one to protect their interests. And in some ways, this can be seen as the direct manifestation of the warning in uh, in Humash Shemot, Perek Chavbet, Pasuk Chavbet, If you uh, persecute the Almana or the Atom, the result is which is exactly what we see here in Pasuk Gimel in Echa. The Pesukim now move from the breakup of the family to the daily struggle after the destruction. Pasuk Dared, We have to pay for our drinking water, our firewood comes at a price. So basic... Uh, highly available commodities like water and firewood, uh, or they used to be basic highly available commodities that were free and cheap, are now not free and cheap, but the people who are left behind are now forced to pay for them. Pasuk, He, asavarenu nirdafnu, yaranu velohu nahlanu. At our necks we are pursued, we are exhausted, and there is no let up. And this most probably refers to the treatment inflicted on the defeated survivors who are still there during the occupation of Yehuda by the Bavlim. Pasuk Vav Misraim Natanu Yad Ashur We hold out our hands to Mitzrayim and Ashur to Egypt and Assyria for our fill of bread. And the best way to understand this Pasuk is not a literal call to Mitzrayim or Ashur, but Mitzrayim and Ashur being a figurative representation of the neighbors of Yehuda, and now the survivors who stay in Yehuda are calling on their neighbors to help provide for them because they find it difficult to provide for themselves. The next few pasukim describe the intensification of the suffering. Pasuk Zayin, Avotenu hateu ve'enam va'anachnu avonotehem sabarnu. Our fathers have sinned and are no more, and we suffer their punishments. Pasuk Het begins the description of the punishments. Slaves rule over us, there is no release from their hand. Pasuk Tet, We risk our lives to bring bread because of the, or in the face of the Herev of the Midbar. The Herev of the Midbar here can be interpreted two ways. One is the sword of the wilderness, the explanation being that scavenging for food in the countryside is dangerous because of marauding bandits, because of the listim. And another way to understand Herev Amidbar is that Herev, uh, the Shoresh Het Resh Bet, can be referring to uh, the word dry, like Horev. Herev Amidbar is the drought of the desert. There's no, uh, there's no water, and therefore there is no produce in order uh, for us to eat. And as a result, we are starving and dehydrated, and in order for us to bring our bread, uh, we have to risk our lives. Pasuk Yod, Orenu ketanun nechmaru mipene zarafot rarav. As a uh, continuation of Pasuk Tet, where the people were risking their lives to bring bread, it seems that in Pasuk Yud, they in fact were not successful in bringing that bread, and our skin was inflamed like an oven. Uh, 
from the searing blast of the famine. And it sounds like they are not successful in their search for something to eat. And what happens is they, uh, they degrade in the wake of famine. What's interesting to note in these Pesukim, Pesuk Zayin through Pesuk Yod, is that even after the destruction, even after the exile, the few people who are left in Yehuda, their conditions very much resemble the sorts of conditions that we saw in the previous Perek of the people who actually went through the destruction and the exile. And so what you see in Pasuk Zayin is a description of our fathers have sinned and they are the ones that went through the destruction and the exile. We end up suffering the same punishment, the same conditions as our forefathers who went through the destruction themselves. Almost as if the aftermath of the destruction is actually part of the original punishment. The survivors here are equating their own experiences with the experience of the destruction itself. The next few Pesukim describe the brutalities that the people of Yehuda, the survivors who are still in Yehuda, face on a day-to-day basis uh, after the destruction. Pasuk Yud Aleph, Nashim besion inu betulot Yehuda. Women were raped in Sion, unmarried women in the cities of Yehuda. Pasuk Yud Bet, Sarim beyadam nitlu, penezekenim lo nehdaru. Princes were hanged by the hands of the enemy, and no respect was shown to the elders. Pasuk Yud Gimel Bahurim Tehon Nasau Unarim Baes Kasharu. Young men pulled the millstone and young boys staggered under the loads of wood. And the millstone here is a metaphor for, for the, what the prisoners of war have to do uh, when they are caught. In general, it's a physically tortuous uh, occupation. And we know from, from other places in Tanakh, most significantly, when Shimshon is captured, uh, his punishment is to grind in the, in, the, in the mill, to carry the millstone. And what we have here is a description of the young people of Yehuda who are left uh, in Yehuda, who are left in Yehuda after the destruction of the Mikdash, after everybody else is exiled. Even these survivors are forced to do menial uh, prisoner-type tasks. Pasuk Yudaled Zekenim Misha'ar Shabatu Bahurim Minerinatam. Elders have gone from the gate, young people from their melodies. The gate represents the place where the elders used to congregate, where business was conducted. Music sig- signifies uh, a public celebration. And what we have over here is that in the wake of the exile of most of the inhabitants of Yehuda, the ones who are left have uh, no congregation, uh, no happiness. All of that is... Uh, is uh, absent in the wake of the destruction, there is a real sense of loss that comes from the cessation of everything that is normal. The joy of our heart has gone, our rejoicing has been turned into mourning. This is almost the summary pasuk, the climax of everything that's happened up until now in the Perek is, basically, there is no joy left in Yehuda. Pasuk Tetzayin the crown has fallen from our head. Woe are we, for we have sinned. The crown here most probably refers to Malchut Bet David, which is now has now seen its downfall. 
Pasuk Yudzain, Al Al Regarding all this, or because of all this, our heart has languished, and because of these, our eyes have been dulled. Pasuk Yudhet, Al Harsion Sheshamim Shu'alim Lechubom. Because of Harsion, which is now desolate, so desolate that foxes roam around it. And if you think about from the point of view, uh, the point of view that's writing these words, it's the survivors who are in Yehuda, who are living perhaps in Yerushalayim after the destruction, and what they see in Harzion, normally the Bet HaMikdash would have been there, and now what they see over there is total desolation that even wild animals are, uh, are roaming around the area. It's because of this situation, the desolation of Harzion, because of that, that is the reason why uh, our hearts have grown uh, dim, our eyes have been darkened from the previous Pasuk. Pasuk Yudtet, even though the Mikdash is no longer uh, with the writer, You Hashem are enthroned forever, your throne is everlasting. And this is a very important theological point, that even though there is no Mikdash for the people to connect with HaKadosh Baruch Hu over, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still there. He, is still, he still reigns supreme, and He reigns supreme eternally. And in that context, in the context of Hashem reigning supreme, the Mekonen turns to Hashem directly and asks Him, Pasuk Chaf, Lama Why do you eternally ignore us, forsake us for our whole lives, for, for all of time? What we have over here is the counterpart to Pasuk Aleph. Pasuk Aleph began asking HaKadosh Baruch Hu with Zechor Hashem Mehayalanu. We ask HaKadosh Baruch Hu to consider us, not necessarily to remember us, but to consider us and to think about us, to pay attention to us. And in Pasuk Chaf, the Mekonen admits at the end of the day that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has not considered us, has not has not paid attention to uh, the people it, who are who survive the uh, destruction of the of Yehuda, and indeed Hashem uh, was uh, was uh, forgot forsook the people who are left in Yehuda. He continues to ignore them, and so the prayer that begins the chapter goes unanswered. Take us back, Hashem, to yourself. Let us come back. Make us again as we were before. The Mekonen here uh, expresses his yearning to go back to the way things were before the destruction of Yehuda. Pasuk Chafbet, but that goes unanswered. But instead, you reject us completely. You are angry with us so very much. As we've mentioned several times before over the course of the Megillah, there is no happy ending here. The Mekonen asks Hashem to consider and pay attention to the people, but the reality is that God has rejected the people, He continues to be angry at the people, and there is simply no happy ending to the Megillah. The, the Mekonen is in a state of perpetual lamenting.